Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2288, with a release date of Friday, September 3rd, 2021, to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. U.S. hams respond to a devastating hurricane in the Gulf region. Solar storms are called a threat to the Internet. And the Newsline team suffers a personal loss. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2288 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's first independent on-the-air news and bulletin service. Now reporting from Charleston, West Virginia, here's Jim Dameron, NATMW. We begin this week with Hurricane Ida. The storm battered the state of Louisiana and the Gulf region in the U.S., and hams were ready. Here's Randy Sly, W4XJ, with that report. As Hurricane Ida approached the shoreline of the Gulf of Mexico on Sunday morning, August 29th, Amateur radio operators were already active with the Hurricane Watch Net, VOIP Hurricane Net, and local emergency nets in the affected areas. It was the 16th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina when this new contender headed inland near Grand Isle, Louisiana. With winds over 148 miles per hour at landfall, Ida devastated areas of Louisiana and Mississippi before moving north and east, dumping torrential rains as it went. This Category 4 hurricane left four people dead and millions of utility customers without power. Bobby Graves, KB5HAV, net manager of the Hurricane WatchNet, told Amateur Radio Newsline that weather models warned him this storm would be serious. The net was active for 26 hours with 47 reporting stations. More than 120 reports were sent to the National Hurricane Center through WX4NHC. According to Rob Macedo, KD1CY, Director of Operations for the VOIP Hurricane Net, the net provided the Hurricane Center with additional details as hams checked in with traffic from weather stations, social media outlets, public safety outlets, and contacts in the affected areas. Amateur radio and government also worked hand-in-hand as FEMA declared channels 1 and 2 on 60 meters available for interoperability as late as September 6th if needed. As before, the FCC authorized a higher symbol rate than the 300 baud limit for HAM's hurricane-related transmissions. If you would like to volunteer to help the American Red Cross or any of the amateur radio groups mentioned in this report, please see contact information in the printed version of this week's newscast on our website, arnewsline.org. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Randy Sly, W4XJ. Most of us know what solar storms can do to our plans for DX or even a friendly rag chew when they mess with the geomagnetic field of the Earth. Well, according to one California researcher, Internet users could soon be sharing our pain. Here's Ralph Squillacci, KK6ITB, to explain. If you rely on the Internet as much as you rely on your amateur radio, you may have twice as many reasons for being wary of space weather, according to a California professor. Sangeeta Abdu-Jyoti, a computer scientist at the University of California, Irvine, believes that major solar storms are capable of compromising the Internet's global infrastructure and probably will. 
It's not that a coronal mass ejection can disable the fiber optic cables that form the foundation of the Internet. They can't. Those cables remain unaffected and local Internet service would remain intact. But, the researcher said, a global network of undersea communications cables that boost the Internet's international signals, the equivalent of repeaters, would suffer directly from electromagnetic fluctuations brought on by severe solar eruptions. In a recently released research paper, the professor speculated that this could knock nations off the Internet, isolating them for as long as several weeks. The professor presented her findings in a paper in late August at a conference held virtually by the Association for Computer Machinery. She noted that astrophysicists say there is a likelihood of between 1.6 and 12 percent that a strong enough storm of this sort will occur within the next decade. For many, her findings describe a future version of the Carrington event, a geomagnetic storm in September of 1859 that damaged the Earth's ozone layer and disrupted telegraph lines around the world. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Ralph Squillacci, KK6ITB. If you're old enough to remember when amateur radio first went on the air on the International Space Station almost 21 years ago, you can probably appreciate the slow and careful effort that's being made now with respect to NASA's Gateway Project, the multi-purpose station being designed for eventual lunar orbit. Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, tells us about ham radio's interest in the project. The Amateur Radio Exploration Team, an international team of ham radio organizations, is crossing its collective fingers that one day ham radio will be welcome aboard the NASA's Gateway Project in much the same way ham radio eventually ended up on the ISS. Frank Bauer, KA3HDO, a co-leader of the team, said Eric's is cautiously optimistic that at some point one of the modules to be launched later for the Gateway may provide some optimal conditions for a ham shack, including access to reliable power from the sun and a good field of view of the Earth to enable radio contacts. Even with those conditions met, however, NASA would still have to commit to a ham radio presence on board. Frank said, quote, we are being patient and working with NASA as to what is the best approach. We are just staying engaged, end quote. The Gateway's first modules are already earmarked to launch together commercially. Those are the HALO, the astronauts' pressurized living quarters, and the power propulsion element. Frank said that modules to be launched after these first two may provide even richer fields of view of the Earth. Meanwhile, unlike the development of the ARIS program on board the ISS two decades ago, he said progress is expected to be intermittent. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Neil Rapp. WB9VPG. After a successful bicycle tour and fundraiser, a bicycling father-daughter team is back home in England. Ed Durant, DD5LP, tells us how their adventure went. The father-daughter cycling ham radio team of Kevin Richardson, G0PEK, and Lauren Richardson, 2E0HLR, have come to their journey's end. Their megacycle expedition finished as planned on August 25th in northern Scotland, 
Starting at Land's End, it was a 28-day trek of more than 1,700 kilometres and was a fundraiser for the Royal National Lifeboat Institution. They also raised contacts along the way via amateur radio, using their home call signs while on VHF and UHF during the day and using MX0KRO, the call sign of the Kent Active Radio Amateurs Group, when camping. Hams and non-hams alike followed them on Twitter and their Megacycle Expedition Facebook page, where they got to see the two adventurers reach their finish line in northern Scotland. There, the duo even participated in International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend, operating on HF from the lighthouse at Cape Roth. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Ed Durant, DD5LP. What does it take to form a new amateur radio club? Sometimes it's just a handful of willing radio operators who share the same island in the southern Caribbean Ocean. John Williams, VK4JJW, takes us there. The newest ham radio club on the world map is wasting no time getting things done. The Bonaire Amateur Radio Club, PJ4BAR, celebrated its recent birth by hosting a field day on Sarabon Beach from August 27th through to the 29th. For now, the fledgling club's membership boasts all nine active radio amateurs who call Bonaire their home full-time, with additional membership among those amateurs who have addresses on the island but live elsewhere much of the time. Still, the club does enjoy fellowship on and off the and its weekly meetings often last until late into the night. So if you should hear the club call sign on the air, be sure to work the station and don't forget to send those QSL cards to M0URX. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm John Williams, VK4JJW. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the AH6LE repeater in Beaver Creek and Wilsonville, Oregon, on Sundays at 6 p.m. local time. The next story is a personal one. One of the earliest members of the Newsline family has become a silent key. Here's Don Wilbanks, AE5DW, with some memories of him. We've just learned of the passing of one of our Newsline family, one that dates back to the very beginnings of Newsline. Robert Sudock, WB6FDF, passed away on July 7th in Long Beach, California, at the age of 74. He had been in poor health for some time. Bob was there when Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF, and Jim Hendershot, WA6VQP, formulated the idea to drive to the top of a mountain and report on the state of the Westlink 220 repeater system in the Los Angeles area. That became the Westlink Report, and you know it now as Amateur Radio Newsline. Bob, like Bill Pasternak, hailed from Brooklyn, New York. When a young Bill Pasternak, then WA2HVK, moved to L.A., Bob was one of his first contacts. Their lifelong friendship began with that first contact. He had a long career in broadcast engineering, including stops at KZH Channel 31 and KLON Radio in Long Beach and KTTV Channel 11 in Los Angeles. It was there where he worked alongside Bill Pasternak. He served on the board of the Southern California Frequency Coordinating Committee. From 1974 to 1976, Bob edited and reported the Mount Wilson Repeater Association News and was an original member of Newsline. Bob subbed for Newsline's Graham Kemp, VK4BB, as anchor of the Wireless Institute of Australia's Q News when Graham went on holiday. 
Bob was often heard on Newsline, and when Bob Heil began Ham Nation, he asked Newsline to be part of the show. Bob Sudock was the original news presenter on Ham Nation. When he fell ill, I filled in for him, firmly expecting to just keep his seat warm. That was 10 years ago. Bob and I sat down via Skype a few years ago, and we had a long conversation about the beginnings and little-known facts of Newsline for report number 2000. You can find that on our website, arnewsline.org, under the Extra tab. Scroll about halfway down for that audio. I never met Bob Sudock, but we talked on the phone many times. He was a gentle soul with a big heart and a deep, resonant voice. After Bill passed away, he was invaluable in helping us pick up the pieces and keep Newsline going. Robert Sudock was truly one of the good guys. Good DX, Bob. Tell Bill hello for us. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Don Wilbanks, AE5DW. How do you mark 20 years of devotion to radio? If you happen to have your very own museum, you broadcast your joy with a party. Kevin Trotman, N5PRE, tells us about the celebration. On Saturday, September 11th, everyone is invited to the Asheville Radio Museum in North Carolina to help it mark two decades of preserving radio history. What grew into a regional home for radio history of all kinds was begun by founders Clint Gorman, K4KRB, and the late Carl Smith, N4AA. Carl and his wife Miriam rescued a 1930s-era radio receiver in need of a fix-up. Miriam, who was also a ham, then suggested they add to their collection with the help of some other ham radio operators. Out of that grew an exhibit that became the Southern Appalachian Radio Museum. Now the museum, located on a college campus, showcases all facets of radio technology. It ranges from cell phones and Bluetooth to GPS. And, of course, vintage commercial amateur radios. There is an even earlier 1900s spark gap transmitter for Morse code. The public celebration is from noon to 3 p.m. on the campus of the Asheville Buncombe Technical College, and details are available on the museum's website, whose URL is in the text of the script for this week's newscast at arnewsline.org. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Kevin Trotman, N5PRE. Hams in Illinois are getting on the air to support a group that aids disabled veterans. Andy Morrison, K9AWM, tells us about their special event station. Disabled U.S. military veterans have found a friend in an organization known as Healing of Our American Heroes, or HUA. For years, an Illinois organization known as HUA Deer Hunt for Heroes has provided wounded former soldiers with access to outdoor activities and paid all their expenses. The Illinois program will gain even more momentum on September 4th, 5th, and 6th because they too have found a friend. The Chicago Suburban Radio Association, W9SW, which is showing its support by activating a special event station during the group's fundraiser. The hams will be on the air calling W4V, We're for Veterans, from Hickory Hills Campground. Rondell Pierce-Smith, KD9IPO, the club's vice president, said those dates, which mark Labor Day weekend, will be the club's first special event for the veterans group. Be listening on 10 through 80 meters. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Andy Morrison, K9AWM. In the world of DX, Michael, DF8AN, will be active as 9Alpha slash DF8AN from Croatia until September 12th and he intends to activate a number of lighthouses. Listen for him on CW and the digital modes. 
He'll finish his activation in Croatia and move next to the Canary Islands in October. QSLs via DF8AN, direct or by the Bureau. A special event in Spain is marking International Chocolate Day with the call sign EG5DIC. The station will be on the air from September 10th through the 19th, marking the special day itself, which is on the 13th. Be listening on various HF bands, where the activators will be using CW, SSB, and FT8. A downloadable diploma in PDF format will be available. QSL via the Bureau. Ed Durant, DD5LP, has asked us to remind those of you who are looking to make DX contacts, there's no better opportunity than in this weekend's Portable Operations Challenge. Whether you have a large or small station, this international contest will be bringing out lots of eager stations just wanting your four-digit Maidenhead locator. Why not put in a log as well, even if you only get a few contacts? It's all part of the fun to see where you come compared to your locals. Full details can be found on the FMHPOC webpage. Will you take the challenge? For our final story, we visit a ham radio operator who is the proud father of a first-year college student. You might say his pride is uh, sky-high. Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, picks up the story from here. Almost every parent of a college-bound student wants their son or daughter to shoot for the stars. Robin Beyer, KG0OC of Bemidji, Minnesota, gave his daughter something to help her do it, her own 40-foot rocket. According to a story in the Bemidji Pioneer newspaper, the ham constructed the shape of a spacecraft using his amateur radio tower and, of course, meant removing his antennas, at least temporarily. But Dad knew the rocket would help him transmit something better than a signal report, his hopes and dreams for his daughter Allie as she leaves to pursue her studies in biochemistry and biology at the University of Minnesota Duluth. According to the newspaper, her love of astronomy has helped her set her sights on a career in the space industry. In fact, Robin said, the tower-top rocket ship took its inspiration from father-daughter stargazing sessions on the back deck of their home at night using a telescope that belonged to his own father. He said to the newspaper, quote, this was a seed that got planted, that we've nurtured through the years, end quote. Ascending his tower for the first time in about 10 years, he created the rocket's body out of reinforced plastic and finished it off with wooden lettering. It may never sail higher than its prominent spot atop the tower, but the Bayer family is certain that their college student, fueled by dreams and hard work, is ready to be launched. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Kent Peterson, KC0, DGY. With thanks to the ACM Special Interest Group on Data Communication, Amateur News Weekly, AMSAT, Appalachian Trail on the Air, the ARRL, BBC Sounds, the Bemidji Pioneer, CQ Magazine, the Daily Mail, David Bihar, K7DB, Daily DX, FCC.gov, Jenny Tupper, Ohio Pen DX, QRZ.com. Ron Del Pierre Smith, KD9IPO, The Soda Reflector, Southgate Amateur Radio News, Shortwaveradio.de, Ted Randall's QSO Radio Show, WTWW Shortwave, and you, our listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. You can write to us at newsline at arnewsline.org. For more information or to support us, visit our official website, arnewsline.org.
For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the News Desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Jim Dameron, N8TMW in Charleston, West Virginia, saying 73. And as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2021, all rights reserved.